This is also cool sounds like. I'm Alejandro Manian. Yeah, it, it's kind of like a treehouse. We've always talked about it as kind of like this weird treehouse vibe where it's like we just want it to be good for the sake of making it good and because it's so DIY, it's kind of that's kind of makes it even more treehousey. We can just like, you know, we build a new doorway into a thing. We're like, it would be sweet if there's a door here and we can just <laughs> figure out how to do Wouldn't it. Wouldn't it be cool if we raised this area? Yeah. yeah. One night this past summer, I put on my mask, took a deep breath, and biked down to the Diving Bell Social Club to meet my friend Christina. When I got there and climbed the long stairs up to the venue, it seemed like a different emotion passed through my brain with every step. This was the first show that I had gone to since the pandemic started. I felt excited about walking up the familiar steps, a little nervous about safety, anxious that I wouldn't know how to interact with people anymore, but really mostly just happy to be out on a summer night. I've waited a long time to record this episode. I spoke with the guys at the Diving Bell all the way back in last December, and finally this summer, things were opening up in a way that both I and the Diving Bell felt comfortable with. When I got to the top of the stairs and turned into the bar, I was greeted by such a warm welcome that I felt like I started glowing. Austin, who greeted me, seemed just as excited to be there as I was. He told me that the show I was there to see, the Coven Drag Show, was one of the events they used to host before the pandemic. The fact that it was happening again felt hopeful. Unfortunately, the audio I recorded at Coven that night was lost in a computer crash. Side note, please back up your data, people. And I truly wish that you could have heard the energy that was in the venue that night. I was in awe of the energy that was tossed from the stage to the audience and then back again, as performer after performer made the stage entirely their own. I was so happy that this was the show I was going to think about the diving bell with for this episode because it seemed to be exactly what the guys had in mind for the kind of thing they wanted the diving bell to host, the kind of thing they wanted the diving bell to be. So we, uh, Austin and I, hail from uh, uh, the DIY venue, The Bog, and uh, we started there and we were looking to make something a little different, something a little bigger, and we we kind of explored this old chip factory uh, that we wanted to, to turn into a venue with, with a few people from Psychic City. And uh, yeah, there's a big group of us. And with the property, with the rental came this boat. There was like a boat included with the rental. Um, it was kind of parked out front. And so we were thinking of maybe doing it like nautical themed. Um, and so the, you know, the idea of the, the diving bell kind of came up from that. And also I, I uh, for my birthday a few years ago, I had some friends pitch in for uh, a really cool kind of replica uh, diving bell helmet that just kind of sat on my home bar for a while. And then, yeah, the pieces kind of fell into place and the diving bell was born. The, the way that the space was introduced to us was um, I was co-owning uh, the bar on the first floor. Now it's called Barbosa at the time it was Blizzards. And the landlord of the building also ran Champs, which is the kind of dilapidated sports bar on the second floor. And so I guess the entire time that I was at Blizzards, we didn't know that on the third floor and fourth floor, uh, it was just a bunch of stuff. Uh, so one day uh, was brought up to the to the third floor and shown what was up there and kind of given this pitch of like, hey, yeah, you want to do something up here? And uh, 
against our better judgment at the time, I called Austin and just said, we have to, we have to do this. This, this is maybe a crazy idea, but um, we did. And yeah, the it, like Jason said, it was just full of garbage, uh, like literal bags of trash, um, lots of old restaurant junk. It was, yeah, it was pretty heavy. Yeah, and uh, that's kind of when I came into the project because I went to go see a show at Catacombs and that's where I saw Austin and I've met Austin through the bog because I played the show there with my band and he was like, yeah, you got to come see this place. It's very close to your, your house. I mean, you know, it's nothing yet, but we're trying to build something out of it. And I'm like, yeah. And I, I quit my like job. I was working. I was like, oh my God, I'd love to do anything to, that, to help you guys out. And so I went there and I looked at all this junk and I was like, how do I be a part of this crazy, this crazy thing? Before the diving bell, Evan and I, and a couple other folks who have kind of gone on to be very influential in the creation and founding of the Diving Bell. We were all really involved in this DIY space, which was down in St. Henry. It's still there, actually. It was like a super DIY space in a basement, kind of the same amount of stairs as the Diving Bell, but like in an opposite direction. But um, basically, that was that was really awesome. It's where we met um, Sarah Armiento, who uh, works with us at the Diving Bell with a lot of the booking, but also has started uh, Hot Tramp Management um, and is super amazing but anyway we all kind of like started working together down there and that's also where we met jason jason was playing in a band and it was kind of like the first place where kind of the launching pad for all these kinds of things the bog is like a, as i say a basement and it was great in a lot of ways but it was limiting in a lot of other ways too we were always kind of looking for some sort of way to expand on what we were doing down there and yeah we found this opportunity at the time to kind of go in with a couple of other diy venue spaces of you know I guess that was like 2006, early 2016, whatever. <laughs> there was like, yeah, Psychic City, as Evan mentioned. Uh, there was a couple other people the, from the bog and we were all basically trying to rent this big warehouse building to start like the ultimate DIY venue. That, yeah, didn't end up happening because we couldn't negotiate with the guy. It was just, it wasn't gonna work out. And it's actually really go good that it didn't in retrospect. But basically like we were still, Evan and I anyway, we're still kind of like peripherally interested in the idea of kind of like taking the bog out of the basement <laughs> so to speak and that was kind of like a couple of months later yeah as evan said he, he kind of was randomly told by this landlord guy like oh you should see upstairs so that's kind of when we started like i mean as we've mentioned it was you know those that, that show hoarders with like people who just like can't throw away stuff like compulsively um it was stacked up to the to the like there was there was so much stuff in there. Yeah, like dishwashers, probably what, three or four of them, you know. Or dishwashers. Uh, up to the ceiling. There was, we, we, was just we, we had to remove all the stuff ourselves, but it took, we, we rented uh, like a U-Haul truck, like a three-ton moving truck, and we filled that up 10 different times. And actually the pile of junk turned out to be a really good kind of barometer for showing people like, because anytime we, we were really excited about the space and the potential, but like, anyone that we would show the space and they would see the potential too and not just see the scary giant pile of junk i feel like that was a really good way of kind of gauging <laughs> who's, who's in <laughs> jason yeah. was definitely immediately just no no uh no holding back was just like sick evan johnson and austin wrench opened the diving bell back in 2018. i remember that year or around that time being a moment when so many of the venues i deeply loved in montreal were closing 
whether due to fines from noise complaints, rent prices going up in certain neighborhoods, or just a loss of community support. It seemed like place after place that I considered indispensable to Montreal nightlife was shutting their doors. I think that's one of the reasons why I loved the Diving Bell so much from the very first time I went there. From its very start, it seemed like it fit in with the heart and soul of the places I felt Montreal was losing. It felt like it had always been around, even when it first opened. We put all our heart and DIYness into the venue. I mean, mm-hmm. since it started, we done everything we, ourselves. Evan, yeah, yes. Evan and Austin built like the stage pretty much. There was a weird half stage that started. I guess no one completed it. Um, and then <laughs> no, he, he it built it, but, but took it apart to bring it some of it down to champs. For the oh well, there you have it. There you have it. Because you got to recycle. You know, it's good. Yes. It was just like that. And then, <laughs> you know, so and then they built the two rooms on the side that wasn't there. There was a billiard table there that we moved out. And, you know, so yeah, there was. I don't know. The yeah, spirit of the diving bell has always, yeah. the whole kind of concept, the thesis, I guess, of the diving bell has always kind of been that we wanted to, um, because we were so involved in like the DIY music, it was a, the bog was definitely like a music venue. And we kind of started near the end of our kind of involvement there to try to start doing some like comedy shows and stuff. But the space itself was really only super conducive for a music venue. And that was always something that we kind of wished was not the case. We always know, you know, recognize how many cool things are going on in Montreal and always thought it would be cool to have a space that could be, you know, more represent, you know, could represent better what actually is going on in the city. Yeah, that was something that was important to us from the get-go, really, was, you know, there's, I think, a lot of venues, you know, around the world, um, could be known for you know being one thing or the other um you know this is more of like you know a rock venue or uh you know this is more of a theater space and we wanted to make sure that we were touching on everything uh, so at the beginning it was nobody knew we existed um and you know we would we would be reaching out to people, some of whom actually had to come in and look at the space before it was finished so they would see the garbage. Uh, and a few people turned us down. But after we kind of, you know, reached out to a few people in different niches, uh, then like Austin said, it started kind of, you know, instead of us reaching out, we, we, we were doing more fielding. And I say we, it's Austin and Sarah are the, the champions of this. They've done an incredible job. But um, yeah, all that to say that, you know, we, we want to have as much you know, uniqueness and, and, and difference and diversity in our access as possible. And yeah, letting letting the kind of like letting the, the performers themselves kind of dictate the shows. Like we do actually set up some uh, like I guess you could call them in-house events as well where we're actually like actively booking people. Like we do these cover nights where we get a bunch of bands and it's like themed and they play cover songs the last one we did before the lockdown was like a an anti-valentine's day kind of like 80s sad songs kind of night which is super fun people always ask me like what's the best way to get a show here to talk like obviously like sending an email is good but i feel like the best connections that we've gotten have always come from people who are like at a show already and we just start chatting and they're like they're at say you know like the drag show um i always just prefer it i feel like you get like a much better sense because you can also just be sitting in the space and be talking about ideas and stuff um but yeah when it's kind of like people uh coming up to us who are actually at the show and are kind of like already familiar or or at least somewhat familiar with 
you know, the, the various restrictions or the, just the, what the scenario is. Yeah. We, yeah. We, we love, we love really unique ideas too. And like one of, one of the things when we started was we wanted to be kind of a blank slate uh, venue. So, you know, half of that was also our budget. We didn't, we, we had no money to be actually decorating. Um, yeah. But the, the other half of that is that we wanted to, like Jason said, we did a lot of, um, kind of uh bazaars at the, at the beginning and, and kind of vintage sales and pop-ups we wanted to have the walls blank so that people could put up their own art and could kind of transform the space so yeah like austin was saying when, when somebody's in there and you know we're, we're chatting with somebody to say hey i've got a really cool idea we could you know we could make a little zone over here that people walk through kind of uh, an interactive art space um we love that kind of stuff you know changing up the lights and, and making it look completely unique for a, a particular event there usually has to be kind of like another reason besides just like some guy who has, you know, $150 to pay for a sound guy, because then it's just like, we want to make sure that the, the show itself is actually going to be like something that is, is impactful. But like, I'm always trying to gauge kind of like what people are, if, like what people are looking for in the space. And I feel like personally myself, I respond a lot better to people who are trying to set up like, this kind of like community oriented thing and are like trying to set up this, you know, something that obviously sounds interesting and sounds like something people will come to, but also um, just something that seems like, just like on another level, whatever that level is from just like, oh, I want to just like, I just want to do a show and then go home. It's like ones that really seem like they're going to be kind of community powerful. We want to you know, not, not in like an overbearing way, but create a sense of community and, you know, not saying, Hey, you've got to be part of this club now that you're here. But like Jay said, just being, we're really welcoming. Um, you know, w one thing that has always been important to us is like, I don't know, we, we, we've all been musicians. We've all gigged at, um, you know, different venues and there's a certain degree of, I think, you know, cynicism and, and, you know, people and staff particularly maybe being jaded, um, you know, about just seeing the same thing every night. And so it can be kind of intimidating to book shows maybe for your first time. And so what I hope, you know, is when people book a show and they come back for a second time is that, you know, they went through a pleasant experience. They saw that, you know, we, you don't have to be an asshole to, you know, to, to make this thing work. Um, yeah, that, that, that's what I'd hope. We were definitely very conscious about um, consciously trying to avoid the like, maybe it's not classic, but like, I feel like maybe 10 or so years ago, back when I was really like starting to go and see live music, specifically local bands that yeah, there, there was kind of like a, a, an acceptance of like a certain kind of aloofness. Um, and it was kind of not, it was kind of cooler to be a little bit more aloof um whereas i feel like we're kind of the opposite of that um you know i feel like it's it's kind of like we, i kind of hate that i kind of would much rather have like a goofy conversation with someone than like oh wow cool like you know like it's it, it's it's just about like having fun like that's the only reason we're we're doing these things shows are fun and they you should be there to have fun and to that's why i think uh the best shows are the ones that are just 
not taking themselves too seriously taking themselves seriously to a point of like perfection like i want this to be a the best possible show it can be but also just you know it's still just we're just doing crazy silly things because they're fun essentially it's the main important thing really it, like the only thing that keeps us or any venue like us um going is you know the support of the community people not even necessarily like support as in like financial like people paying us to come and stuff but just like people coming and you know just actually actually getting out there and doing stuff like it's so much easier obviously everyone's guilty of you know clicking like oh yeah i'm attending that and like it's it's the best shows the shows that do the 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 best both kind of like spiritually and like financially are always the ones where there's like a real sense of like duty kind of from the community people are like no i'm like i'm happy to come and pay it's pay what you can ten dollars suggested i'm happy to pay that ten dollars even though i could come in with paying less like because you realize that you're directly supporting this thing that you know it's it's, it's the best like i love having this opportunity just to like you know support directly the things that you think are important to have and i think that sometimes like people understand that but i think sometimes it's lost um to some extent when i don't know like like sometimes people ask us kind of like when they're thinking about booking a show or something like oh well like how many like how many people come to your venue usually and it's kind of like well i mean no one comes just to see us you know like it has to be like this thing where like the the like people just need to understand especially in a post-covid world too i think just that like you know like you just we just really have to like support each other i think uh more so than ever and like actually by like just showing up i think is the main thing whether you're gonna like buy drinks or or anything even just like being there in spirit physically just showing your support is like a super super important thing and like can't really be there's really no alternative like for places like us to work people just have to either show up and support or it's not going to work that hopeful feeling i was speaking about earlier that i got when austin greeted me at the diving bell it stayed with me the entire night i was just blown away that i could go to a place and these extremely talented people would perform would share their talent and their humor and their souls with me sitting there at my little table drinking my bourbon lemonade it made me feel hopeful, not because it felt like things were back to normal, but because I know that the best of what we had before the pandemic will continue on. The first musical show that we had really sticks out to me. Uh, Mish Koda uh, came and performed, and it was still in that early stages where nobody knew we existed. So it was a very intimate show um, in, in numbers. And, it, Misha asked me if we had a ladder like 10 minutes before the show started. It's like, yeah, I think we do. And so I didn't really know what was going on. And then during Misha's set, pulled up the ladder and, you know, Misha used it and incorporated it into the, the entire performance, dancing with it. It was, uh, it was awesome. It was super inspiring and, and kind of, it was, uh, really emotional performance and kind of gave us this idea of okay wow this is you know we can be this space where this cool magical stuff happens uh that yeah that's a huge one though i'll never forget that 
what really stands up the types of shows and events that really stick out for me are the ones where people have kind of like really transformed the space and are kind of experimental with using the space and the walls and everything um just because there's there's actually like quite a weird amount of stuff that can be done i like it when people come in there and then maybe they're familiar with the space from another show but they're like totally like kind of you know just blown away by how different it looks it's jason saying it's whether it's setting up some weird art we've done a lot of these really cool kind of mixed media shows where there's like you know there's some musical performances but there's also like art up on the walls and weird kind of like people in crazy like costumes walking around and like very interactive definitely like the full kind of the, when, when the space is used kind of all over the place i like that <laughs> As I mentioned before, like the whole paradigm of socializing is going to be quite different uh, to some extent. Um, after, like going back to normal might not it might be even like a weird way to even say it. Like I feel like it's just going to be a different world already. Um, it was, it's notoriously everyone knows it's difficult to get people to show up and to to make a arts-based career something that is you know sustainable um but i think that more than ever um like i think that there's, there's probably also a lot of kind of fluff and like weird traditions that aren't necessarily going to be like a part of the norm as much anymore like i think that i hope that people are going to be kind of more aware than ever of how important artistic communities are and how they need to be, you know, you have to support them if you want them to exist. Um, and like, yeah, I feel like we're better equipped, uh, weirdly, even though we've just kind of been waiting around for months and months, I feel like um, us person, it's kind of been like a time to meditate a little bit on what we want to do and how we want to do it. I feel like we're going to be able to do things more efficiently, like for my, like, the community is, is we don't really have control over that which is important <laughs> but like i think from our end too i think we're going to be better set up to like just as far as like our we, we we're a bit older now we're a bit more experienced with how the whole machine of the diving bell works and i feel like we'll be even more confident about um just putting on things and like the efficiency of it all so that we can do better bigger things with less effort um definitely like the last two years or whatever have been definitely a lot of trial and error and it did unfortunately feel like right before everything like the first months of 2020 january and like half of february very very optimistic times because it was everything was seeming to kind of like okay everything's coming together now this is great and of course it's unfortunate that that never ended up happening this year but the it would have been so much worse if we weren't at that point before things had to shut down if we were still in like a kind of scrambling like oh i don't know if we got this yet kind of vibe like we have that confidence of like you could see the light at the end of the tunnel and even though the light the tunnel got way longer uh in some sort of weird kind of like horror movie style thing you know when you can't get out of it but like um i feel very confident about moving forward in a way that like yeah the artists are there the communities are ready and we're also more ready physically we've done these renovations to the space we've rested a little bit it's good 
This episode marks the last Also Cool Sounds Like episode I will be writing and hosting. Don't worry, starting in the new year, you'll have a new host continuing the podcast on to bring you more thoughts and conversations about the creators and artists that call Montreal home. I started this podcast almost a year ago because Montreal was my home, and this seemed like the best way that I could celebrate it. But Montreal isn't home for me anymore. I'm recording this episode at my dad's house in Connecticut, where I'm spending the holidays before moving to the UK and then beyond. I've lived in Montreal for 10 years, and saying goodbye to it feels strange and sad. That city made me who I am, and I know that I couldn't have picked a better place to mold me. That's why I'm so happy that I've gotten to share some of my favorite things and people that come from Montreal with all of you. If I've learned anything from this project, it's that community is everything. I know that that sounds cheesy, but honestly, I can't tell you how many times the people I've spoken to for these episodes have mentioned not only people I know in Montreal, but even other people I've interviewed for the podcast. It's become clear to me that none of this, nothing anyone I spoke to was doing, would have been possible without everybody else. The places we choose to spend our time, the art we absorb, the people we speak to, those things are actively creating who we are every minute. I'm moving on to be molded by other places now, but I will be forever grateful to Montreal for creating who I am right now, and it makes me so happy to know that there are still so many people I love who will continue to be there being shaped by it. Je t'aimerai toujours Montréal. I miss you already. This episode of Also Cool Sounds Like was produced and edited for the last time by me, Alejandra Menian, in collaboration with Also Cool Magazine. Music by Orrin Rutowski, artwork by Malika Storga. Check out the magazine at alsocoolmag.com or on Instagram at alsocoolmag. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other cool places you like to listen. Bye.